Kings, chapter 17. We've been talking about the backstory of Elijah for a while, the the purpose of a prophet, and so now we're going to get into the first of his experiences as someone who, the prophet who is following God. So we'll read the first seven verses. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is, east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Father, would you give us a dependent spirit as we seek your word, as we seek your will, as we seek to be faithful in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a man whose uh, English name is Bob Fu. He grew up in China and he became a Christian at part of the revival going on during the Tiananmen Square Massacre times. There was quite a few college students that the Lord brought to himself and he was of college age. He was actually at the Tiananmen Square and left right before the massacre, not knowing it was about to happen. And uh, shortly after that, he and his wife, Heidi, who had become Christians, uh, realized that there was no compromise. If you follow Jesus, you either followed him wholeheartedly or you did not, especially in China. There was, there was no choosing. And they knew that if they followed the course of a disciple and uh, Bob being a bit of a leader, that he was going to have a target on his back. And they were pretty certain that they would spend time in prison, and Chinese prisons are not fun. And so what they prayed for was not no prison, but that the Lord would give them three years before they went to jail to be able to grow in their faith and be mature enough to survive the rigors of prison. God gave them about three years before they were jailed for several months. And he gave them that period to grow and prepare for what he was about to call them to do. And that's what we see here in Elijah's case. The Lord is bringing him out and setting him apart and giving him a time to prepare him in the wilderness for what he will call him to do. How would you think? What would you think about a multi-year camping trip? Where God took you out for about two or three years, he does go on someplace else after the brook dries up. Where God says, I'm going to take you out into the wilderness, and, and for two or three years, you're, you're going to have nothing, you're going to be by yourself, but I'm going to give you everything you need. That's what God does here for Elijah. There's a big mystery in this passage when you think about it, really the story of Elijah. It is that the all-powerful God who can bring food via ravens to Elijah uses fallible and failing humans to do his will, to, to, 
challenge the ruling powers of the day. And yet you see here, when God's doing this, he's not, he's not just throwing Elijah into the conflict with Ahab. He gives him this period first. And so what I want us to see tonight is that the wilderness is God's blessing to make you his disciple. The wilderness is God's blessing to make you his disciple. Sometimes he will take you into a period of growth, of protection, of slowing down in order to shape you for the challenges that you have ahead. Now, before we dive in, you could challenge and say, that's not the main point of this passage. That's, that's, and to which I would say, actually, you're right. It's not. Um, this, this passage is not a blank check about how God will provide for you in your hardest of times. Uh, Elijah is a special case. He is God's prophet. And, and in fact, there are some of these things where he shows up, throws down this challenge against Baal and vanishes has an effect on God's prophetic revelation. You think about it, he is giving God's word and then he vanishes. What does that mean for God saying he's taking away his word? He's taking away the rain? It's this chilling curse on Israel who's forsaken him. So there is that main story in the background. Well, Israel is cursed while God is providing a blessing for the only faithful Israelite, saying that there's still hope. That's, that's what's going on in, in the big picture. And yet, there is also something that we can learn here about how God provides for his people when he puts them on a mission. When God gives his people or his servant a mission, he will care for you. And that's certainly that part of it, that character of who God is, speaks to us today. So what I want us to do is, is look at how God blesses Elijah in the desert and see how you can be comforted during those times too where God calls you apart. Times when God takes you away, he puts you out of the action, he calls you to slow down. It may not be fun. You may not think camping in the desert for three years is fun. But you shouldn't chafe at those times, but see it as his protection and blessing for you. So how can the wilderness be a blessing? Well, as you look, first of all, there is a sense in, of protection. God sends Elijah close to his old hometown. He says, go, go to the east, um, go, go hide yourself by the brook Cherith. A Cherith means trench. So it's, it's kind of this out of the play, out of the way ditch. It's in, it's in a wadi. A wadi is not a river or it's more of a small stream that, that flows during the rainy season and sometimes dries up. So it's kind of muddy, but there's some, there's some water there. It's out of the way. It's a quiet, tranquil place. And this was a retreat for Elijah. It was a place of protection and, and rest. Need to be clear here that it's not explicitly saying that Elijah was in danger. In fact, he, he doesn't seem that he's in danger when he approaches Ahab the first time and, and when he comes back. But I think it is significant that God moved Elijah for a time out of the reach of Ahab from his threats from that stress, um, because we know in the future, Jezebel's threats will rattle Elijah to the point where he says, I want to die. So even though he's not in real danger, he feels that danger in a human way. And so God moves him away from that. He also moves Elijah away from distractions, um, from the burden of his calling that he will receive as a prophet and takes him to a quiet place where he will be vulnerable and aware of need. Um, I think we need to realize here, too, that this is a God-centered protection. Again, why, why is God caring for Elijah here? Because God has a mission for him, 
and he's protecting him on this mission. And so when, when can we be confident that God will, will care for us in a way that, you know, he's going to provide for us even in times of difficulty? Well, when God says, I, I have a purpose for you. George Whitfield said that I am immortal until my work is finished. So as long as God has a plan for me to preach, and George, I'm immortal. Nothing can stop me. Right? This is a little different. I, I have heard some sergeants that are nervous, infantry sergeants, that are nervous about religious men because they just believe that, you know, I'm, I'm just going to charge through a hail of bullets because God's got me. Not necessarily so. But if God has, if he has a plan for you, if he's calling for you, you will be protected as long as God has not finished his work in you. Right? So take, take comfort that God will protect you. And if, if your work is finished, then, then death is just your entry into glory. There are, there are planes that have gone down with Christians on them. The Lord did not protect them physically. There was the heartbreaking story of the pastor in Nigeria, who in the beginning of the year, was, he was captured by Boko Haram and, and he gave this, this moving testimony about how he believed that everything was in the hands of God and he, he implored the government to you know, re- secure his release if possible. But he trusted God and in the Lord's will, he was executed. He was martyred. That, that was God's will for him. But, but you can rest assured that, that if God has a, a plan for you right now, then he pulls you away. That's, that's a protection to prepare you for more. And sometimes God will do this in surprising ways. You can even think about, in church history, you can think about how Martin Luther was protected right after the Diet of Worms. He was, he was kidnapped and, and brought away into seclusion by, by accounts, right, by political leaders so that he could do God's work. And there could be times where God is protecting you by taking you out of the game. Maybe by giving you a sickness that causes you to slow down. Maybe it's it's a disappointment in life where you lose your job, where you're passed over for promotion. Maybe a promotion that would have burnt you out. Maybe it's the, the listlessness of retirement or for a soldier as you come back and you just can't readjust to deployed life at home. And, and you seem adrift. It could even be you're recovering from some sort of traumatic abuse. Abuse is never a protection. You can never say that abuse or suffering like that is never a blessing in itself. But perhaps after that time, God has brought you to a quiet place to to rest and to find yourself in Him and to be grounded in the hope and worth of Jesus. And you would never say that hard trials are directly themselves a blessing from God. We can't say that. Maybe we, we don't know the providence of God, but they are through things which God afterwards might make us turn to Him, even as we're in a low time. It can be hard when, when God takes you out of the fight. You can be chafing to get back into it. You can be reeling and hurting from past wounds when God sets you out to stop and heal. But He's brought you through it for a reason. And so at this point, I challenge you, just don't fear. Remember that God protects you for what he has brought you next. And if he protects you, then you'll see that he also provides for you. And here God sends Elijah out as everyone else is suffering through famine and he cares for his basic needs. It's a sign of God's blessing and that he hasn't given up on Israel, but it's also his, his care for Elijah. He meets his needs in the wilderness where he just can't get them. Now, it's amazing when you think about how he provides for Elijah. 
Right? The ravens uh, talk about several things of God's character. First of all, they, they feed him out in the wilderness. And the wilderness, the theme of the wilderness, is both a, a positive and a negative one. It's, it's, it is a theme of God protecting and caring for his people, gently bringing them out, um, rescuing them from Egypt, and then providing for them in the wilderness. Um, you also see a time of testing often. But here you see that the positive side of God caring for Elijah, like he cared for Israel in the desert, through, through supernatural means. God is in control of everything so much that he can command the birds to go and give him food, and, and he's cared for. It also says something, though, the ravens, about the way God works. Sometimes very surprising ways. I, I was a little caught off guard. I didn't think about this, but a commentator mentioned Elijah's a Jew. Jews only eat clean food. Jews do not touch scavengers. Ravens are scavengers. What, is they, what are they bringing him? Probably roadkill. Right? So, so Elijah is being brought this food that is, and with the food and the delivery service, is unclean. Probably is not a prime rib. Right? It's maybe not the most pleasant. It tells you something that when God provides for you, it may not be first class treatment. We don't, shouldn't develop an entitlement sense when the Lord provides for us. I, I got to go to the Hilton Hotel. The army put me up in it and they gave us free breakfast and I was, I was eating bacon and eggs and sausage and then they had this cottage cheese with blueberries and mulberries and raspberries. I just, you know, I just, and I just had a massive breakfast and skipped lunch because, you know, I don't have to pay for it, TDY and all that kind of stuff. Bob, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, and I'm eating this every morning. I'm thinking, this is a, a couple hundred years ago, this is the breakfast of kings, right? And here I am, just little me eating this. Lord, thank you, but don't let me expect this or demand this. And there are so many times when God provides for us and it's exactly what we need. And yet, it may not be exactly what we want. God provides for the raven, Pierre. I would also, too, hint, I would argue here, that there might just be a hint of the New Testament development, that the purity laws are not absolute, but they point towards something. Because God is willing to work in a way that Jews would not have allowed to work, right? Using unclean animals to do his work, showing that what God will eventually say, do not call unclean what God has called clean. He's, he's working in surprising ways. And when God calls you, he will provide for what you need. There will be times the Lord has called you to a purpose and you don't see how you can work it out. And the next step of faith is simply to keep walking. Well, when God provides that provision, this trust becomes the bedrock of the final blessing, which is preparation. Right? God protects you and prepares provides you for you to prepare you to be a disciple, to do his mission. Think about Elijah. Think about the magnitude of the scale of what Elijah is about to face. It's going to be three years from now, but he is going to show down with the king and queen of Israel and all of their prophets, 450 of them on a mountain, on a national level with the whole nation watching. Hope you don't choke, right? And it's, it's from a human's point of view, it doesn't get much more impressive than this. So what does God do to prepare Elijah for that? Well, he takes him away to the back end of the middle of nowhere, and every day he provides for his needs supernaturally. 
Think about how, how that would affect Elijah as he learns day after day after day after day to rely on the ravens that come and give him the food that comes from God. What is he learning every day? Just 365 days over and over again. God is in control. He truly gives me everything I need. And then as he's learned that lesson, drip, 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 the Lord continues to care for him long after the wadi dries out and he goes to pagan lands and and he will care for the widow and raise her son from the dead. In each one of these stories, first in the wadi and then with the widow, it shows how the sovereign God weaves a tapestry that both cares for Elijah, but also prepares him for his upcoming task, his calling. The purpose, you know, if God protects you and provides for it, he's doing it to prepare you to grow in some way. It, it could just be as like Bob Fu, as a, as a new Christian, and he knows he has a challenge ahead of him, and he has to prepare to shoulder a burden. Or, or it could just be for the next stage of life. You may have heard of Rosaria Butterfield, who was, was converted under the ministry of a Presbyterian minister, Kent Smith. She was uh, a tenured professor uh, in Syracuse, New York, in um, LGBTQ studies. And she came to know the Lord after two years, and, and she got married, and she, she realized that I'm a Christian, and I have this big headline for a story, and what should I do? And she said, my husband knew that I just needed to spend a few years away in the church, in scriptures, in communities. Now, now she's out and she speaks everywhere and she writes books, but she needed that time of preparation. And I'm sure you can point to a time in your life where, where God has been preparing you up to a point and then perhaps you don't even see it and you say, oh, here it is. Elizabeth and I see that in, in this upcoming deployment for both of us, how the Lord has just worked various trials, various blessings to prepare us. And so sometimes the wilderness is God's tool to prepare you and draw him to you so that he can send you out. And so I encourage you that you see these times of slowing down as a blessing for that. And when you come to them, seek the Lord. He's, he's giving you time to realize that he is the God that provides all things. Maybe if you're like me when he slows you down, he's giving you time to realize it's not all about you. The world will go on without you. If, you seek, if your greatest need is to seek him and enjoy him, then, then he will use you as he sends you out. I was thinking about um, the times, the down times that I had this week. I'm away at a hotel and, and you're lonely. And one of the things we have to worry about today is it's so easy to run from the Lord and, and to hide from the Lord when we have those times of difficulties. Can you imagine um, how much time meditation Elijah would have had um, to, um, out in the brook Kareth if he had, I don't know, a fully equipped cell phone, right? I mean, I was like, man, it's time to binge Netflix and you know, get caught up in this series and that series and listen to all these lectures and nothing wrong with that. But I, I sensed that even as I was away and praised God for a very productive time and, and was seeking him, how easy in, in fatigue it was to hide. In, in just whatever, in the election cycle that's coming up. And I want to ask you, you know, in the blessings that we have in this information age where noise and static are all over the place, including the airport, 
I went to the airport and it's only been a year. I saw how many flashing screens and now at least in the Philly airport, you've got these, these neat little high stools and there's all these iPads right in front of you. I was trying to read my Bible and I got so sick of it. I turned the iPad around so that I could read the Bible on my iPad, um, right? Cause I was, I was, uh, lightening my load cause I, you know, have to hit the 50 pounds. And isn't it just so easy to not seek the Lord because we can escape? We don't want to be anti-technology. There's so many gifts for the gospel that we can use. It's, it's God's good creation. But just ask yourself, are there areas where I need, I need to hide my noise so that I, I, can, I can seek the benefits of the wilderness, even if it's hard, even if it hurts, that I can find my joy in the Lord and other Christians. Well, this protection, this provision, this preparation is, will be effective because you're connected to the God who himself experienced the wilderness. And I said in the beginning, isn't it, isn't it a mystery that the Almighty God uses fallible, flawed people to accomplish his will? But the greater mystery is that Elijah, like so many others, is a shadow that points to God himself coming down. Because there are some things, there is one thing, that fallible, flawed people cannot do, and that is redeem ourselves. And the reason that you can have absolute faith that the wilderness is God's blessing for you is that Jesus is the great provider who experienced the wilderness himself. But Elijah looks forward in some ways to Jesus' wilderness temptation, where after Jesus is baptized, he's, he's driven out into the wilderness, and this is not so much of protection, though God's protection is there, but it's much more the element of trial as well. But it was a trial by fire that we have not known. But there was, there was a lot going on in the wilderness. There's a lot that Jesus was not like us. He was, he was the champion who defeated Satan. He's the second Adam who obeyed. Not only did he live for us, but there is a sense in which Jesus in the wilderness lived like us, that we can experience his sympathy as a high priest. Hebrews 5.8 says, Although Jesus was a son... He learned obedience through what he suffered. And there is another mystery here as we look at this, this wilderness motif that as the one who was God and man goes into the wilderness, although he was perfect, he grew in his humanity. Right? The, the scriptures talks about Jesus in his human nature growing. It talks about that in Luke 2.52. As, as a young man, he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And here, too, Jesus learned the blessing of seeking the Lord in dependence in the wilderness. And so as a high priest, he's able to relate to you as you go through the same thing. And in faith, reach out and grab that blessing. Jesus also shows you in his life that it's not always a happy ending in God's mission, humanly speaking. Right? His mission as high priest was to die for his people. God prepared him in the wilderness for his mission, which would end on the cross. And so God's protection, his provision, his preparation only extended so long until Jesus was forsaken in Gethsemane and then Golgotha. And he died alone for his people. Eventually, God's true prophet, who claimed to give living water, would have to undergo the curse of drought and blight and be cut off for God's wrath to save his people. But he died for you. So Christian, when you go through the wilderness, whether, whether it's a time of blessed respite or whether it's through the trials, 
It's a blessing because you're connected to Jesus and the wilderness will always be good for you. It'll always be, whether it's a time of rest, you can rest in the Lord. If it's a time of, of trial or painful examination or working through real agony, you know you have a faithful high priest who has gone through it. He knows your needs. He knows Satan's temptations. He offers you hope and life and gives you his spirit. And if he leads you to a place like our brother in Nigeria where he withholds his protection and his provision, well, the wilderness trip is not a place of rejection and terror like the cross, but it's a homecoming into the arms of the Lord. And so, when God takes you camping, don't fight it. Don't resist it. See it as a time to seek him and to learn from the master who has emerged victorious from the wilderness and offers you blessing in it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have worked in a special way throughout redemptive history and in bringing your prophets and your apostles, revealing your will to the Holy Spirit, culminating in the life and death of Jesus. We also thank you that we are your disciples. And you often work in us in similar ways. And we see and hear your mysterious and awesome character, how you delight and deign to work through and in us. And so, Father, would you give us the, the faith to be able to reach out to you in times of trial and rest and slowness and see and, and eagerly expect your work in us. Father, I echo again our prayers for our brothers and sisters who are right now undergoing physical challenges, who are awaiting surgery or treatment, Lord. And as if you have brought them into a particular area of wilderness, Father, would your blessing be especially known to them. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We will sing in response 175. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. Please stand.